Well, welcome to Horizon. We are starting a new series today called The Parent Map. And on this, we're going to be on a journey. Some of us have been in Coupleton for a while, and we've just entered Babyville. Some of us, that was a long time ago. We're helping our kids have grandkids in Babyville, the transition from Babyville over to Tween City and College Town and Teenopolis. So over the next few weeks together, we're going to discover a map for parenting that God gives us. Now, if you don't have kids, I want you to know that these principles are going to be also about how God parents us. How God wants to work with us and instill within us values and truths and wisdom for our decision making. So to kick off our series today is a good friend of our church, uh, someone who's impacted me spiritually over my entire life. And his name is Josh McDowell. And I want to give you a quick a little video, a summary of what he's done and where he's been before he joins us today. Let's watch. Good morning. Let me get this up here. Since you get to sit down, I sit down. I'll go in auditoriums of 50,000 people and I sit down. Uh, I don't know, I just like it. But this morning, I want to challenge your thinking about your own children or grandkids. It's, I think every generation of parents say it's harder now. I will not say it's harder, I'll say it's totally different. Why? Folks, the internet has changed Everything. Everything. You raise your children the way your parents raised you, you probably lose your kids. It's changed that much. I say to grandparents, if your children right now are raising your grandchildren the way you raised your kids, you'll probably lose your grandkids. It's changed that much. It's changed the way we parent everything. And they asked me to address the issue of values, of values. If ever there's been a need for parents, grandparents, everything, to teach values, it's today. Because you are in competition with the Internet, whether you like it or not. You just take YouTube. That's just one of almost six and a half to seven million websites. It's just one. Every 60 seconds, 100 hours of video is uploaded to YouTube. That's six thousand hours every hour is uploaded. You are in competition with that. You look at the just the latest music video that's been on the air, Pro Con, everything else, and Beyonce, you're in competition with that with your kids. Your grandkids will see it. Where do you teach moral values, sexual values, uh, values of life? Uh, we have a competition now no other generation of parents ever had. And everything is just one click away on the thing. In 1 Kings 3.9, it says, Here Solomon had a dream. In the dream, God appeared to him. And he said, Ask whatever you want, and I will give it to you. What would you ask for? New iPad? iPhone 6 coming out, supposed to be incredible. Great wealth what? You know what Solomon asked for? He said, give your servant an understanding heart that I may discern between good and bad or between right and wrong. Folks, we need to instill into our children, our grandkids today, what is right, what is wrong, and why is it right, and why is it wrong? Now, some of my background, is it up there? 
Zach. Uh, I've had the privilege of being married to Dottie for almost 43 years come May 22nd to the same woman. Uh, I can't believe it. I never knew a woman could love a man as much as my wife loves me. My wife has changed my life. Between 6 and 13 years of age, for 7 years every week, I was homosexually raped by a man in my, my own home. My parents wouldn't stop it. My life was this much away from being an absolute disaster. My wife has changed my life. Now, I know it's Jesus through my wife, but if I had to put Jesus here and my wife here, it would be my wife up here. I never knew a woman could love a man as much as she loves me. I've never seen the Hollywood movie, I'll tell you that. But uh, then we have four children. I wanted ten, but Daddy had something to say about it, and I didn't want another wife. Uh, I have a daughter, Kelly. What a woman. She's a physician and a child psychiatrist. And she says, Daddy, I'm really making a difference in kids' lives. She can hardly wait to get to work. It's so neat to see that. She works for Kaiser Permanente in California. And she says, every day, Daddy, I'm seeing kids' lives changed. And her biggest problem, I said, what's your greatest challenge as a child psychiatrist? She's very easy. Discern the difference between uh, biological and environmental. Is that child's problem because of relationships at home or is it biological? She said, Daddy, in the majority of the times at school, we're using chemicals to treat relational problems in the home most of the time. It's problems in the home that we use chemicals at school to treat. She said that's the hardest thing as a psychiatrist. Is it biological or is it environmental? And there. Then she married uh, my son's best friend, Michael, who's a CFO or a ch- executive pastor of a huge church in Santa Ana, California. And then I have a son. His name is Sean. Uh, what an incredible guy. He uh, did a couple masters. Now he's just finishing up about 20 pages left of a 380-page dissertation for his doctorate. He has now become a professor at Biola University. He starts teaching about seven days. And he married his 11-year uh, sweetheart, not 11 years old. For 11 years, they were a sweetheart. And he provided me my first grandson. And he looks just like me. It's incredible. <laughs> What a handsome guy. No, actually, he looks more like this. And then he's got a darling sister who is all chick. She is totally chick. And they got a brand new little brother. Uh, he is personality plus. And when I walk in, doesn't matter what's happening, he put out his arms, he puts his arms, at least for two minutes, he won't let go. And, of course, I don't try to break it up either. And then I've got a daughter. Her name is Katie. And... Uh, she is so talented, she could run a corporation of a, a billion-dollar budget. And uh, she married Jerry, a Canadian. I forgave her for that. And um, they have three children, uh, all under four and a half. Uh, I mean, and they're all personality A's. And the other day, she sent an email out or a, a tweet and said, Don't let anyone tell you that three kids are not exhausting. I don't know how she does it. These kids are a mile a minute, uh, and they're professional mountain climbers. Uh, he's be going for his doctorate pretty soon on that. And uh, then uh, I have another daughter. Her name is Heather, and she's all smile. Man, when she smiles, she melts you. Those are very expensive teeth. And uh, 
when she was 25 days old, we had the privilege of adopting her. I think every family ought to adopt. I'm a better person. I'm a more loving father because we adopted her. Now she's about 28 years old, married uh, a most incredible guy. I, don't, I couldn't have chosen spouses better for my four kids than what they ended up with. And don't you, people always say, well, you know, who your kids marry and everything, you don't have much influence over. Oh, yes, I did. Truly, I truly believe, my kids would say it, if their mom and I had not really liked the person they were going to marry, they wouldn't have married them. I really believe that. We have that kind of family and everything. And uh, they have two kids. Personality plus on this girl. This girl just, uh, you think he's a little bit of heaven on earth. And then her little brother, now they were smart. They named him Josh. So he's going to get all the money. I'm going to will it. I'm going to will it all to Josh, not the other kids. But, totally contrary to their wishes, she just found out she's due in September. <laughs> she's going to have three kids, four and a half and under. Uh, I guess my kids just never heard of condoms. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have 20 grandkids before I know it, that's for sure. And I love it. But my wife says, remember, you've got to spend the same amount of money on the others as you did the first one. So now whenever I buy clothes, I just put a little sign on it, pass it on. That way I cover all my bases. But how do you pass values on to your kids? I'll tell you this. I never knew your children could literally become your heroes. My greatest heroes in life is Daddy and my four kids. I hold my kids in the most awesome respect. Uh, I cannot believe. I remember when they were teenagers, I couldn't believe the moral standards they had and how they stood out from the crowd and everything, all four of them. And uh, a lot of it was a way that I'll be sharing here that we taught the scriptures to discern good from bad, right from wrong. The first thing you need to do, you've got to instill within that child convictions. Not just beliefs, convictions. See, even take among Christian young people. I'd say 99% of all Christian young people have a pretty good belief system. They have zero convictions. I can almost never find any Christian, any Christian, that can give me any intelligent reason why they believe anything. It just blows my mind. It's incredible. Uh, <clears throat> is the Bible the Word of God? Yes. Why? And the answers they give are so bad. But if we in today's culture do not instill convictions of why things are true, you will probably lose your child. With the Internet that challenges, questions everything, building in. In 1 Peter 3.15, the Word of God gives some pretty good suggestion here. It says, be ready always to give an answer for the hope that is in you. And the hope that is in you is this. When somebody asks you, why do you believe? Why do you believe that? Why do you believe that? To give an intelligent answer. That's what that means. Be ready always to give an answer to the hope that is in you. And I had to raise my children starting young to not just know what is truth, etc., but why do you believe it is true? Otherwise, they will go with the wind. One day, one thing. The next day, the next thing. Uh, you probably all heard of uh, values clarification. You don't hear much of it anymore because it was all debunked. But uh, one of the founders was Josephson, uh, a Jewish man, a tremendous intellect. And he founded uh, values clarification. He was a tot, T-O-T, teacher of teachers. One of the tops in the world to train people to teach values clarification, where you let a child determine their own values and everything. 
Finally, one day, he was married, had a son. And one day he realized everything that he was teaching was wrong. Here, the teacher of teachers for values clarification. Why? He found out with his own children, he was reinforcing his values in his children. Not what his children are getting on the internet and everything else values. And he says, here I'm traveling all over the world telling parents, leave your kids alone, let them determine their own values, let them find their own way. He said, that's not true. So he quit. That's one reason why I went defunct, because it wasn't true. And he started what you call, is now called in schools, character counts. And he said, we must instill what values we believe are true into our kids, and that will help them find a way. Uh, through it. And they did a major study of 18,000 young people who had walked away from the church, which is big today. Not so much from their faith, but the church. And they asked why. They did a major study. Open-ended question, 38% said, which normally you could end an open-ended question, 9% would be number one. 38% said, because of intellectual skepticism, no one would answer my questions. Whether you're a Christian, non-Christian, Buddhist, whatever, Hindu, whatever, Muslim, we must raise our children with convictions. Why is it true? My son came to me, three daughters and a son, first year at Biola University. Now he's a professor there. Oh, man, I'm so excited. Uh, I'm going to hold my shoulders high when I walk on campus next time. And uh, he came to me his first year in college. He's my son. He said, Dad, I really don't know what I believe. I don't know if I want to be a Christian. I don't even know if it's true. I said, son, that's wonderful. That's exciting. When he tells a story, he says, he was thinking, Dad, are you listening to me? I just told you. I don't even know if it's true if I even want to follow your faith or whatever. Well, to me, that was so exciting. I said, son, I've been waiting for that. What? I said, yes, son. It's got to be your faith. You can't run on my faith. I can only teach you so much and you've got to go on your own. I said, son, let me give you some fatherly wisdom. He said, dad, I thought you were going to try to prove to me it was true, everything else. I did none of that. He said, it was the greatest wisdom you ever passed on to me. I said, son, two things. One, seek the truth. And I said, son, if you truly unprejudicedly seek the truth, you will find it. What more could a father ever desire of a child? Second, and this was what really honed in on it. I said, don't reject something because it's the faith of your father. Reject it because it's not true. I'll guarantee you this, you cannot find any believer in the United States without greater intelligent convictions than my son. Boy, does he know why he believes. But you see, we have to raise our children with convictions. Why are things true? If you don't, they're going to go with the wind. And they usually go with the wrong wind. And then with that, especially if you're a believer, you need to teach why do you believe the Bible's true? I wish all of you could have been here in the first service when I had an incredible, very, very valuable item laid out here. 
physical evidence that the Bible has been handed down truthfully and with integrity. But I'm a Christian. I make no apology for it. Now, I wasn't always a Christian because I set out to write this great, big, huge gold book out there called New Evidence Man's of Earth. I set out to write that against Christianity. I thought it was a big joke intellectually. And after two years, I realized I was the joke. I had not done my homework. Almost every person ever comes to me and starts criticizing Jesus, the Bible and everything. I start laughing inside because they were just like me. They haven't done their homework. They don't even know what they're talking about. And uh, eventually, in election, I came to the conclusion it had to be true. And then I went through a real struggle because Jesus was not a part of my future. I had not f- factored him into my future. But that December the 19th at 8.30 night in the university, I became a Christian. And boy, in about six months a year, my entire life was changed. But I, I not only know the Bible's Word of God, I know why I believe it. And I've debated in over 250 different universities. I always say, just bring them on. Uh, and I had to pass on to my children. How do you know the Bible's even true? If that's where your, where your value is coming from, wherever your value is coming from, whether the Bible or what, you better be ready to defend it to your children or you'll lose them. In the day of the Internet, day of social media, everything else, you'll lose them. So I had to build not just beliefs, convictions into my children. And that meant I had to do my homework. And then values. Where do your values come from? Have you ever thought about that? Where in the world do your values come from? You say, well, my parents. 38% Americans, right after 9-11, said you determine right and wrong by family values. Do you know how dumb that is? Now, do you really know how dumb that is? Basing your values of what's right and wrong based upon family values. The reason is, if you believe that, like 38% of Americans, then you have no right to criticize 9-11. Because every one of those terrorists, their family values taught it was right. So who are you to criticize them then? What if one family value is, you need to assert yourself as a child, your manhood, so it's okay to force yourself upon a girl sexually. Then if that girl happens to be your daughter, then how can you criticize him? He's just living out his family values. And there's men that teach that. You see, family values is none. Others, I mean, this is incredible. Uh, 27 or 29% said, this is Americans right after 9-11. <clears throat> the next day it was released, which I guess was 9-10. Or 12. Uh, I have a little time with math. But 27, 28% said you based values upon your feelings at the time. Oh my gosh. How crazy can you get? Go back and see if they're still on there. Pull up the testimonies of all the terrorists that flew the planes in and killed 2,830 some people. Most of them weren't Americans. They were foreigners. Uh, <clears throat> at the World Trade Center. Read. I mean, they had incredible emotions as a day before they made these videos. Man, they were high on what they were doing. So if you say you, you base your values upon your feelings, then you can't criticize them. In fact, you couldn't criticize anyone. Whoa. Others would say, well, you base your values upon the consequences. That's crazy. That's crazy. Whose consequences? 
What if you determine these consequences and another family determine those consequences? And they're opposite. One harms you and the other doesn't. Then how are you to say the other one's wrong that harms you? If you base it upon consequences. After 9-11, I wrote a book on uh, America and then printed America and then written in hand like this, and the church has lost the right to judge. And I believe it has. I believe the church in America lost the right to judge 9-11. Why? Family values, how you feel at the time. And then uh, 45, 50% said you base your values upon the consequences. So I went and bought 15 textbooks used in schools in America here, in junior high and high school, on how you teach right from wrong, <clears throat> how to make moral choices. Have you ever read your kids' textbooks? I bet you haven't. I can't imagine parents that don't read their children's textbooks. It's crazy. Why in the world do you trust a school to raise your kids? That's your responsibility. You might use a school, but let me tell you, I checked out the teachers, the textbooks, everything. Nice thing in California, as a parent, you can go into any classroom, anytime, and sit right there. Unless you cause a disruption. So I was in my kids' classrooms all the time. Man, the teachers are shaking in fear. But most, 99% of the time, it was marvelous. But boy, some things. For example, every single textbook said you make three or four questions that determines how you're doing right and wrong. First, determine what the problem is. Second, Evaluate the different consequences. Now think of this. This is taught to our kids. Third, which consequence is best for you? Every one of them. Now, which one is right or wrong? Now, which one is best for the country? Now, which one is best for most? No. Which one is the best for you? Every one of those textbooks taught that. For values. Do you know what that means? You could justify any act then you'd have to say 9-11 was right. That's the consequences they chose over against a dirty bomb, chemicals or something else, flying planes and killing 28. Then who are, you to, who are you to criticize them if you base your values upon consequences? I realize the overwhelming majority of the people in the world have no basis for their values. It just stems and stems. But boy, in the day of the Internet with a kid, that can be dangerous. What I learned, I came to the conclusion intellectually, the Bible is true. I didn't want to believe that, but I had to intellectually. Second, that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of God. I thought you got to be kidding. I thought that was an intellectual joke. And so that night, I placed my trust in Christ as Savior and Lord. About 8.30 at night, in about six months, my entire life was changed. And what's the basis of values? I believe the basis of right or wrong is a person, character, and nature of God. That philosophically, it's a universal over against the particulars. And the universal is a person, character, and nature of God for all people in all places at all times. Why is lying wrong? Because God is truth. Why is hatred wrong? Because God is love. Why is injustice wrong? Because God is just. Not because of my parents, not because of the consequences, not because of how I feel at the time. No, the person, character, and nature of God. What if somebody doesn't believe in God? And I say, well, great. Let's talk about that first then. That's why I wrote Evidence Man's the Verdict. Then we'll get back to what's right and what's wrong. Whoa. I raised my kids that way. It's a person, character, and nature of God. But how you know God is? How do you know who God is? How can you believe that intellectually and all? And so my kids came up. I owed my children a standard of values. Lying is wrong because it's contrary 
Jesus said, I am the truth. Anything contrary to the person, character, nature of God is false. That which coincides with purity is right. Why? Because God is pure. That's the very basis of values. That supersedes everything. But you better determine, where do your values come from? See, most people don't do that. You got children? You got grandkids? What are you passing on to them? To stand strong and to be able to discern between right and wrong in the light of the internet. And then you can teach them all you want. But folks, and I spoke on this last night, if you do not build relationships with that child, kiss all your teaching goodbye. It's out the window. Here's the phrase I spoke on last night. Rules without relationships lead to rebellion. Kids don't respond to rules. They respond to rules in the context of a loving, intimate relationship. Truth without relationships leads to rejection. Discipline without relationships leads to bitterness, anger, and resentment. I would never dream of disciplining any child unless that child knew I love them. Because it'll backfire. It'll backfire. Especially about 21, 22, 23 years old. I'll come back to haunt you. All those times you disciplined and that child didn't know you really loved them. That just builds up and stuffs down into them. And it comes out about 21, 22, 23. Relationships. In Ephesians 6, verses 1 to 4, it says, Provoke not your child to wrath. Fathers. After it talks about children, obey your parents and everything else. But what's the basis of all that? Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Here's how I put it. Rules without relationships provokes a child to wrath. Truth without a relationship provokes a child to wrath. It's the relationship. They did a major, major study. Dartmouth Medical School and others. They did a scientific examination of young people. But they didn't do any research. Doesn't that sound crazy? I document on my website, josh.org, the whole thing. I do it in an executive summary because most people get bored with data. And they did no, no research. Sounds crazy, but it was brilliant. What they did, they took the results of 264 ongoing scientific studies of young people and they analyzed their results. That was brilliant. To me, that was brilliant. And when they released their study, a scientific study of young people, they changed the title to a relational title called Hardwired to Connect. Why? Because they found out <laughs> This is science speaking, not the Bible or anything else. They found out that a moment a child is born, their brain is already wired at the moment of birth to connect in relationships. <clears throat> at the moment of birth. This is why you look at late-term abortion. They're already wired for relationships. Can you think? Late-term abortion, a kid is thinking, I'm not sure I want to enter into the human race. It's too... Too mean, too destructive. Their brain is already there. At the moment of birth, it means it's formed before they even have birth. Not emotionally, not spiritually. Biologically, a child is wired to connect in relationships. <clears throat> and they said, you want to pass truth on to young people? This is science speaking. Said you must do two things. I'll mention one of them here. One, 
You must build a loving, intimate relationship with that child. Or they will not follow your truth. That's science speaking. We've got to build those relationships. This is why with my kids, whenever I saw a certain behavior, an attitude, uh, a belief or something that I didn't think was healthy for one of my three daughters or my son, and I felt as a responsible father, I had to step in and deal with it. Before I ever dealt with it, I asked each one of my children, that, that whoever it was, I asked them three questions. And if they answered yes to these three questions, oh, mom and dad, it was so easy to raise that child. It was like play in a potter's hand. But if they answered no or even hesitated to one of the questions, I was in trouble. Didn't mean I couldn't influence them. But oh, it was so much harder. Here were the three questions before I ever dealt with an issue in my children's life. Son, do you know that I love you? Yeah, Dad. Son, do you know that I love your mother? Yeah, Dad. Of course. Son, when you get married in love, in marriage, and sex, and family, do you want with your future wife and your children what I have with your mother and I have with you? Yeah, Dad. Then, son, don't do this. It can rob you of it, and this is why. Oh, my gosh. Your kids answer yes to those three. They're clay in a potter's hand. It's incredible the impact you get. But if they answer no, this is what's so difficult with single parenting. I don't care what anyone says. It's hard. I don't know how single moms do it. Especially if they have two or three children. One of them is a child born, which some are hard to raise. <gasps> what do you do if you're a single mom? You're like my daughter Katie got three boys under four and a half, personality A, that never stop. And one of them, the oldest, is a difficult child. What does a single mom do? Whew. That's when you better hope you got parents who you really admire. And you can live with them or live right around them. And grandpa can become a father figure. Now, there's some grandpas I'd never want around my kids. Come on, they're a bunch of losers. I wouldn't want them around my kids. You probably know them. Maybe you are one of them. I don't know. But uh, where a single mom is fortunate, they have parents. Uh, grandma and grandpa who have an incredible relationship, then I would milk that with my children. But the biggest thing a single mom has going for them, I've lectured to more young people than anyone in history. And I read what they read, everything else, and uh, I've come to this conclusion. I don't think I've ever met a child of a single parent, mother. A dad probably be different. But never met a child of a single parent, mother, who wouldn't eventually say, I know my mother loves me. And I say to that single mother, milk that, and it will pull you through. You might not know it till they're 23, 24, 25 years old, or they get married, and then you'll really see the fruit of it. But hang in there. And the one thing you got going, if that child knows my mommy loves me, you'll make it. You'll make it. You'll make it on your own, whatever. But it's still easier if you have... Literally have a husband right there in a loving relationship or mom and dad. <clears throat> it says you've got to build that relationship. Even science says that. And the problem is most of us men don't know how to do it. Why? We never saw it in our dad. Because of the next issue of teaching values. You not only need to teach the value, folks, in today's culture... With the Internet and where culture has gone today, 
If you do not model that value, forget what you're teaching. It usually won't catch. You've got to model that value. Going back to the scientific study, hardwired to connect. They said, if you want to pass values on to young people, to your own children, they said, two things you must do. First is build a loving, intimate relationship with that child. Do you know what the second was? This is science speaking. You must model that truth in the presence of that child or they will walk away. You teach your child it should be loving. First of all, define love. 99% of people can't. Define love. Second, you better model it. Because they'll follow more what you model. Your body language, your relationship speaks louder than your lips. You remember that. You and Kana Khan, you can fool a fool, you can get a kid, but you can't get a kid. They'll see right through you. You teach this and you model this. You teach honesty and you model dishonesty. You teach truth and you do it. Kids will walk away, especially today. They did a study of evangelical Christian kids. These are Christian kids in the church. 78% said the only way you can know something is true, not because it was in the Bible, Jesus taught it, no. Not because science taught it, no. 78% said the only way you know something is true, if it works. If it works. 78%. If they don't see it in your life, it doesn't matter what you teach, Dad, Mom, they're going to walk away. And you cannot get a kid. They'll see right through. I did it with my parents. I saw through. And that was years ago. We've got to model it. My adopted daughter, Heather. We always wanted to adopt, so our fourth child we adopted. I remember mainly my kids wanted to adopt. My wife did. I was scared too. I came from a very broken home. My dad was a town drunk. When he wasn't trying to kill my mother, I was trying to kill him. And it wasn't a functional home. My one sister killed herself. Uh, my brother, one brother ran away from home 50 years ago, and I still don't know where he is. Um, but with my adopted daughter, Heather, I was doing a fundraiser for our ministry in Carlsbad, California. She was a student at Biola University. So she drove down about 45 minutes to an hour to be with us Friday night and Saturday morning. She had to leave by 11.30, and I didn't finish speaking until 12. So she left me a note on the table there in the, in the conference room and just said, Daddy. So I finished speaking. I sat down, and I opened the note up, and I started just crying. She said, Daddy, do you realize when I was a little girl, I always wanted Jesus to be just like you? Oh, my gosh. I just wept. But because she felt that way, it was so much easier for me to model her in what I believed were true values of relationships, of culture, of living. Because she wanted what she saw in my life. My son, who's become, I think, one of the top five speakers in America. Oh, that kid is incredible. If you ever get a chance to hear him, Sean McDowell, it's worth a five-hour drive, I'll tell you. Every time you hear him, you hear things you never heard before. And he said... 
I know many of my values are true because I've seen them lived out in my father's relationship with my mother and with me. When your kids see that model, they'll follow it. If they don't see it, usually it doesn't matter what you teach. That means for some of us, we need help. I needed help. I didn't know how to build a relationship. That's what I spoke on last night. Boy, did I use a lot of stick notes as reminders. Then, you instill convictions. Build in an understanding, how do you know the Bible's true? Not just that it is, but how do you know? Third, you enunciate your values. You build relationships. You model those values. And then here's some practical things that I did. One, I negotiated. You say, what? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I negotiated my kids. I tried to always include my kids in decisions I made about them. Why? So they would learn how to process. Plus, a lot of times, my kids had some pretty good ideas why I was wrong. Like there'd be a party at school on a Saturday night. Daddy, what time do I have to be in? Honey, I'd like you in by 10.30, 11 o'clock. Oh, Dad, come on. Can't it be 11.30? And most fathers say, no, I want you in the land. And I say, all right, let's talk about it. Why do you say 11.30? My kids learn to defend why they believe what they believe. I say, well, you know, honey... As your dad, this is how your mom and I see it. And we go back and forth. I would say half the time my kids changed my mind and I changed whatever I had said was a rule because they made more sense. But then it built several things in. The kids knew that once I said no, that was it. But they always knew they could negotiate with their dad and their mom. Why? My kids learn. Now they're doing the same thing with my grandkids, and I love it. But it helped them to develop their own reasons why. I've got three and a half minutes. Yeah. 3.33. My, my kids develop their own convictions of why it's the right time to be in or whatever. As a result, they were almost always in at that time. They were part of the decision. <clears throat> and I would say something to my children. Uh, you're grounded for 75 days. <laughs> I always went to the extreme. And my wife would say, Honey, we need to go in another room and talk. <laughs> ah! That's when you know you're going to get it. And my kids knew. My wife never, ever, ever, ever challenged my authority in front of my children as I did not hers. Ever! But my kids knew when mom and dad went in another room, closed the door, mom was nailing dad. They knew that. And they'd wait outside. Dad, what happened? Shut up. <laughs> and my wife saying, honey, I know what you're saying, but I think it's a little extreme. Shouldn't it be more like three days, not 75? <laughs> Remember, the consequences equals the crime, etc., and all. And I would say, majority of the time, I'd go back out, and my kids knew it was coming. I'll say, your mother talked to me. Of course they knew it. And I would say, you better thank your mother. She saved your hide. 
I always wanted to elevate my wife in the presence of my children. And boy, right now, my kids think their mother is the shining star, and she is. And I always say, you better thank your mother. You'd really be in trouble. But, Kelly, your mom pointed this and this out to me. So, it's going to be three days you'll be grounded. But do you think that's fair? And I let her talk. Sometimes it went down to two, and they ended up going up to four. I say, honey, you better be careful. Next time you just convince me it needs to be four days you're grounded. But I always negotiated. My wife and I negotiated. Because almost always, I could bring my kids to where I thought they ought to be. Or many times where they ought to be, they had a better argument for it than I did. But I built convictions into my children. I built in a process of evaluating their values and how to live them out. And that way it became their values, not daddy and mommy's values. And then, interact with your kids. Interact with your kids. All the time I thought, I would say with my four children, probably received two, three thousand questions over the years with them. I almost never answered their questions. Dad, can I do this? Is this right? Dad, what do you think about this? Is this right? I never answered them. Most parents jump right in giving it. I never did. Why? I believe my responsibility was to interact with my children so they would come up with their convictions of what is right and what is wrong and know why they believe it. And so I'd always come back with a question and we'd go back and forth. And almost always, I never had to give the answer. Whether it was a biblical question, whatever. Dad, what does this mean? Well, son, what do you think it means here? Look at the verse after. What do you think this would say this and everything? And so I would teach them, how do you come to conclusions? How do you make right choices? Like, like Solomon said to God, give me the understanding to make right choice. We've got to pass it in to our children. And... Um, and I found out my kids internalized their values. And I remember uh, one time I put in the money and the newspaper came out and the money came back. So I said, son, what do you do with this? Well, you keep it. Oh, gosh, Dad, guys, you get the paper money too. I said, no, when you put money, you're exchanging it. So that money is no longer yours once you take the paper. So I said, what do you do with this, son? He said, well, take it to the front desk. Yes. So I take it into the restaurant cashier, the front desk of the hotel. Well, I was speaking to about 400 lawyers right after Watergate in Austin, Texas, on uh, ethics and right from wrong. And about halfway through, my son, which was about 9, 10 years old, came bursting through the door with a can of Coke. He says, Dad, I got a Coke and I got the 75 cents back. Isn't that great? And he charges out the door. <sighs> All these lawyers, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. In about 30 seconds, he opened the door. Dad, I took the money to the cash cashier. Why? He'd seen it modeled by his father. Folks, I pray that this would just help in a little way to pass values on to your children. A book out there that can help you on love is The Secret of Loving. This is one of my four all-time favorite books. And then... This one has won every award there is. The Father Connection. Includes 60 fun things a dad can do with his kids. You know one of the greatest things I ever did with my kids? They still talk about Took them on a progressive dinner at fast food restaurants. <laughs> it was incredible. We had the biggest time. French fry here, a hamburger here, a drink here, a dessert here. And catch. we drive in and just get ketchup at one. And uh, then the book, How to Be a Hero to Your Kids. 
Now, part of this thesis is this. The more I became a hero to my children's friends, the greater the positive impact on my kids. Because I became a hero to most of my kids' friends. As a result, they would never think of doing negative things with my kids that they thought were against my, my will or what I thought was right. My kids say, Dad, don't worry. They love and respect you so much they'd never do anything they thought would hurt you. I said, yeah, I put the fear of Josh in them. But these books can help you to make some of those decisions and relationships with those kids. Thank you for allowing me this time to share some of these things and values with you. God bless. Well, we are going to continue this journey for the next few weeks. We're going to look specifically at different stages and what we can do as parents at different stages. Um, part of the parent map is getting on that highway of parenting and learning what those uh, different uh, activities are that we can do to build into relationships, as well as how do you change? In fact, next week we'll talk about how to pivot based on the different ages of our kids' life. How do we change the way we parent at each one of those stages? And as you can see from hearing Josh today, a lot of it's going to be holding a mirror up to yourself and saying, wow. Whether I have kids or whether I don't, do I know what I believe. Do I know why I believe it? Am I modeling the kind of things that I say are true? Do I even know what truth is? So these are going to be the journeys that we're on today and that we're on for the next couple of weeks together. Again, if you'd like some of Josh's books, they're going to be out by the fireplace. You can uh, There's a resource center set up there. Uh, two, if you want to join us uh, next week as we continue this series. Or, as Josh mentioned, we do a totally different service at uh, Saturday at 430 and uh, Sunday morning at 850. So we're starting a brand new series called Man Up, going verse by verse through the Bible, if you're interested in that as well. If you came prepared to give, there's some offering box on your way out. But I did want to highlight one last thing. Easter is coming up. And Easter is, this year we're going to have seven services. We're going to have three on Saturday and four, is it four now? Yeah, four on Sunday. So you'll see tickets, free tickets start next week. But Saturday, 2.30 service, a 4.30 service, and a a 6.30 service. But we're going to have two Easter egg hunts this year. And that is a great opportunity to invite friends to the Easter egg hunt and then go to the service right after. This year, incredible opportunity. We're actually going to have a helicopter here on site dropping the eggs down for the kids. So we'll be right out here out by our lake. So you want to be there for that. It's a great chance to invite friends or neighbors, never been to church, never been to an Easter service to come for the hilo drop. Uh, and then we'll also have four services on Sunday as well. So we'll see you all next week. Thanks again. And uh, stay on the highway with us on Parent Map. Thanks again.